0: With that, I'm going to invite you to open your Bible this morning to Philippians. Uh, turn with me to chapter three of Philippians for our reading, and then we'll go back to chapter one. Chapter three of the book of Philippians. Now, if you need a Bible, simply slip up your hand. There's uh, Dean is here. Would love to put a Bible in your hand. Another one over on that corner, Dean, and so you can follow along with your eyes as well as your ears. Uh, Dave, maybe a degree or one or two in the air conditioning might be good. I'm seeing a couple people fan. So um, we're going to read verse 1, and it has to do with what we're uh, focused on today in our study. Verse 1 of of chapter 3 of Philippians. So if I could ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Chapter 3, verse 1 of the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, once again, we stand before you today Acknowledging your great presence in our midst. Thanking you for this living word that we have in our hands and in our heart. And we ask, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, cause the the ink to be lifted from these pages. And for that which you want to say to the church, to us your people, that you would find us hearing and listening, ready to obey. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. Turn with me back to chapter one, which is where we will start our verse-by-verse study. And I've entitled... This morning's launch into the book of Philippians and its verses our safety in the biblical same things. As Paul wrote in chapter 3, it's, it's not tedious for him to write these things, but for you, to the Philippians, he was saying, it's safe. How many times have you, as a young child, when you were growing up, Uh, heard the same instruction from various different people. Perhaps, uh, eat vegetables, eat the good food. Maybe it was, be careful about how you treat your friends. Maybe it was something like, be careful of the company you keep, or even as a young child, Seek that you honor God in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions, and something as simple as look both ways before you cross the street, okay? You know, how many times? And then catapulting us forward, how many times as an adult have you found yourself giving the same instruction that you heard when you were younger? And it it behooves us to ask the question, at what point did we realize that it's not tedious to go over these things again and again and again, but rather it is safe. And I use that as an opening statement to simply say this. Maybe you've read the book of Philippians. Maybe you've read it multiple times. Maybe you've studied the book of Philippians. And maybe some of the verses that we look at this morning are extremely familiar to you. Maybe they are not. Maybe you have not. Maybe this is a a new and cursory view of something. Either way, it is not tedious for me to go over these things with you, but rather for you, it is safe. And so with that approach to not only these verses this morning, but the entire book, it is safe spiritually. It is safe biblically for us to go through these things that we may have already known, perhaps heard before, or are even new to us. So I draw your attention this morning to verse 1 of chapter 1 in which we read Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. If you were with us last week you may recall that I uh, introduced the book. I went over several things about Uh, The book of Philippians, it's uh, historically the city, how the church that Paul is now writing to in fact came to be as the result of uh, Paul not being able to go to uh, Asia. But having a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And as he gets into uh, Philippi, there's there's not even 10 Jewish men forming a synagogue. He goes down to a river area where women are praying and he meets Lydia, this seller of purple. And and she takes heed to the things that Paul has to say and her and her whole household get saved. And uh, circumstances led Paul at one point to end up in jail and and there in jail he's praising God and the jailer gets saved and the next thing you know one after one after one the gospel of Jesus Christ is beginning to penetrate hearts and household by household by household by household come to faith and form what became the church at Philippi and it's now anywhere from 7 to 11 years later uh Some commentators will say seven to eight years. Some say around 11 years later. And Paul has finished his second missionary trip. He's finished his third. And he was about to begin a fourth when uh, he appeals to Caesar. And so to Caesar he must go. And there under house arrest in Rome, a collection is made by the Philippian Christians for Christians in the city of Jerusalem, and they send that collection to the Apostle Paul by the hand of Epaphrodites, who is one of the uh, Christians in Philippi. And Paul sees to it that that collection gets to Rome, and so Paul wants, I mean to Jerusalem, and so Paul wants to thank the Philippians for uh, who they are, and what they've done. Now he, he includes Timothy here in this first verse because he uh, intends to send the letter that he's writing to the Philippians. Remember, no internet, no emails, no uh, U.S. mail department. I mean, it was all hand carry, right? And so he intends to send the letter that he's writing to Philippi by the hand of Timothy. Notice the phrase that he says of himself and Timothy. He says that they are bondservants of Jesus Christ. The phrase originated actually in the Old Testament uh, in Exodus 21 verses 5 and 6 and then is reaccounted for in Deuteronomy 15. And in the Hebrew culture, where this uh, phrase or title, or if someone were to call you a a secretary or a uh, electrician or a teacher or a farmer, okay, this would be just like that. It would be a, a, a title, a category that you fall in. And in the Hebrew culture... Oftentimes, there was an exchange amongst their own in their culture. Again, an agrarian society, when there was a need for um, help with assistance with uh, product or, or grain or something like that, you could become indebted to your Hebrew brother by reason of a loan or something that they gave you throughout the entire land in which they occupied and to pay off that loan you would serve that person who who uh, brought you into their debt, you would serve them for six years now according to Jewish law after they served six years to pay off whatever they had owned, those who had uh, given to them, on the seventh year, this, this was an absolute law, the uh, owner of that servant was to come to that servant and tell them, it's the year of Jubilee, seventh year, you are now free to go and free of your debt. Now, interestingly enough, if during the course of that six years, That servant who perhaps they started single and they ended up marrying. And through marriage began a family. Maybe they came with a family and their family grew. Through the course of that six years, as that master took care of them, gave them a place to live, food to eat, so that they could. Work and serve if after the course of six years that servant became so thrilled with the treatment of that master so uh, delighted by how he and his loved ones had been treated when the master came and said you are free now to go that servant would say I will not go out Exodus 21 5 and 6 um I will not go out free. No. I am willingly now your slave forever. Because I love my master. I love how you treat me and care for me. And the master of that servant would then take that servant to the the doorpost of their home and place that servant against the doorpost and take an awl and boom, drive a hole through their ear in which here's the original pierced ear. <laughs> and here's a biblical pierced ear. And what it means, it meant that I am a free slave, a willing slave, servant to this master for ever Paul and Timothy bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ I ask you this morning have you metaphorically if we use the word allow the Spirit of God to take you to the doorpost of life and pierce you because you've chosen to willingly be His slave forever? Be careful. If not, know this. That this morning, that's what Christ desires of your life. You can come in and out of church. You can open and close your Bible. You can listen to authors. Those of you who are watching at home, you can listen to television evangelists or teachers like myself. On and on and on. But beloved, the question is, have you offered your life to the piercing of God that you are willingly His slave now forever? You love Him and you just want to serve Him all the days of your life. You see, only you can answer that question. And you might say, well, okay, but I've, I've... admitted I'm a sinner and I, I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and come into my life and live. Am I not saved and I'm a Christian? Absolutely. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God had raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Glory to God. Praise God. Can I get an amen? All right, so I'm going to heaven, hallelujah, pack my bags, right? Okay, well, I'm I'm going out and I'm going to heaven, but while I'm here, have you offered your ear? Oh, there's a phrase, let's tag that one. While you're here, have you offered your ear? And someone will say, what do you mean by that? Let me tell you. And so Paul addresses this letter to, to three groups. Uh, there in verse one, to all the saints, to the bishops, and to the deacons. Now, all the saints that are there in Philippi, uh, the word saints derived from the Latin hagios, no, I'm Greek, hagios, which comes from the Latin sanctus means holy. So those that had come to faith in Jesus Christ were called saints because now by the blood of the Savior, the Son of God, God looks down upon their lives covered by His blood and declares them justified, declares them holy. He declares you holy this morning every christian is a saint and you might argue that this morning you might say well i know a lot of christians and they they're far from being a saint what's your what's your definition of saint is saint to you something that comes from an old theological position that has been held for many, many years that if, you know, a certain amount of good works was done or if a certain miracle took place or then sainthood. No, the Bible says you and I are saints. We're to be, we are holy in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus, and we are to live a holy life. The fact of the matter is is that we are saints, but we are only holy if in Christ. He writes to the bishops, commonly known as overseers. Uh, It is a a general position of leadership in the early church, especially before it became an office uh, of leadership denominationally. And then, of course, to deacons as well who were recognized individuals in the Philippian church that had positions of service. They served. Verse 2. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that Paul... It's a a Pauline... um, greeting, grace and peace to you. Sometimes he says peace and grace. From God our Father. He includes to this beloved body of believers that God is it's our Father. It's not just your Father, not just my Father. He is our Father. Okay. Maybe not new news this morning. We all like new news. But here's some refreshing uh old news that never is tired of hearing. Notice he says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord is his title. Sometimes you ask people, what's the name of the Son of God? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, no, no, no. The Lord, that's his title, uh, Greek it means master. Jesus is his name. Uh, the Greek rendition of that would have come from uh, Hebrew uh, Joshua or Yahshua, which was also a breakdown of, of the Hebrew phrase Yah. Shua, Yehovah, Yah is salvation. If you had the name Joshua, like the book of Joshua, you were named God is salvation. How would you like to go around your whole life with a name, God is salvation? How would you like to do that today in a liberal world in which we live? How would you like to sign your name on a check, God is salvation? How would you like to sign your name on your DMV license? God is salvation. You can't sign that. That's my name. His name was Jesus. God, Yeshua. God is salvation. The Lord, Jesus. Christ was his mission. Christ was his mission. Greek, Christos which means anointed one, transliterated from the Hebrew uh, Mashiach, the one who is anointed. Anointed by God the Father to bring salvation to the world. The Lord, title, Jesus, His name, Christ, His mission. So when you hear somebody take, the, name, the Lord's name, maybe you could ask them, hey, do you know what you're really saying? But it raises a question. Since that's who he is, he, the Lord, he's master, he is salvation, and his mission was to come and anoint as the one who is anointed, is he your Lord today? that famous phrase if he's not Lord of all he is not Lord at all is he Lord? because if he's Lord then remember in the gospels when uh, Peter said to him not so Lord can you really tell a master no? If He's Lord, then we can't say no to Him. Since He is salvation, does He bring it daily into your lives to save you and I from ourself? Ourself apart from Him is is riddled with fear, doubt, confusion. We are inclined to be self-absorbed. Uh, in our Western culture, it's, it's always about me and uh, the one with the most toys dies. And then if you go to the general news media, it's gloom and doom, gloom and doom, gloom and doom. Does he every day as salvation enter your heart, your soul, your mind and save you from that cesspool of self? I hope so. The cesspool of self. There's another phrase. Why? Because he wants to anoint. Anoint. Come and anoint you and I with the Spirit of God that in the power of the Spirit we're able to rise above the absorption of being inclined to be concerned about ourself and not the Lord. One of the things we're doing recently with uh, a small group is a study called Self-Confrontation 24-Week In-Depth Discipleship. 24 lessons. Uh, some of you have been here in the church for a while. You may be familiar with that study. We have done it in intermittently along the way. But the, the general approach to this study is that, you know, when we come into faith, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're to love the Lord God with all our what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then we're to love who? Our neighbor as ourselves. In other words, there are two... Uh, glaring realities the moment, the day we come into faith and begin to walk with Jesus that it's about God and about others. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. What about me? What about me? What about me? No, it's about God and others. Well, what about me? What about me? He says, well, you must pick up your cross daily and follow after me. You must... Deny yourself. And that's, that, I don't know, I have, have you been hearing that lately? Is it really uh, promoted in biblical teaching today that you are to deny yourself as a Christian? Not, a, not in some um, superficial way, I want to be the martyr kind of way. But no, it's, it's, it's breathe, letting the life of Christ be breathed through you that every time you come to that fence of whether I am supposed to just take care of me or am I to take care of others because of my love for God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, no, I am to take care of others. You didn't know all that was in there, did you? The Lord Jesus Christ. Is he your master? Is he savior? Has he anointed you with his spirit? You come today, after we'll pray for God to fill you with his spirit. You want to be filled with the the spirit of God? Then then let's just ask God to do it. He said, if you ask, according to my will, it will be done. Notice what Paul does in verse 3 through 5. He says, writing to them, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so here in these um, three verses, we find two insights for uh, prayer and for uh, the greater purpose. Notice he says... uh, uh, Always in every prayer of mine, I thank my God for you when I remember you. Paraphrased, right? Uh, by this time, as I had mentioned previously, that Paul had been on three trips all uh, across what we would know today as parts of Europe. And you can imagine how his mind is filled with the places and the people that he's been, like... Hopefully, we get out of uh, Valley Springs a little here and there. And you, you go to Stockton or Paloma or you go to Sacramento, Modesto. And it's easy to picture in your mind a place where you've been or a person that came across your path, right? Think about the Apostle Paul who had been through so many places. And he's in that house and the Lord kind of impresses his heart you know I just I just want to seek the Lord I'm going to begin to pray and so he he starts to pray Lord and all of a sudden the remembrance of Philippi comes how many of us today probably I don't know but how many of us today have started out to pray and then all of a sudden your mind gets so busy with things and people and oh good i'm not alone i mean man sometimes i was talking with a brother earlier that sometimes that it's almost like work Amen. It's work. It's work to stay focused in prayer. And you can just picture Paul. Okay, I'm just going to thank the Lord for this, this soldier next to me. Lord, I think, Ah, the Philippians. Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. Now, maybe if you're like me as well, you know, you go to prayer and all of a sudden you just want to thank the Lord for some circumstances and whatnot, and then all of a sudden some, some enemy or adversary or somebody who's treated you wrong comes into your brain. And you're thinking, well, I ain't praying for them. <laughs> wrong. Are we not to pray for our enemy as well? And so here I get this, this insight into prayers that, that Paul's saying, he's saying, hey, it's okay, Christian, this happens when we go to prayer, but just remember to be thankful in prayer for your loved one, for your friend, for your coworker, for that person that God brings across your path. Go ahead and thank the Lord for them and then move on. Oh, yeah, and for your enemy, for your adversary. You know, it's hard You've heard this before. This is not new news. But it is absolutely, let's go ahead and say it, impossible. For the lover of Jesus Christ, the one who has submitted their life to his refining fire and love, that when you pray for someone who has hurt you, someone who is, you considered an enemy to you, it's impossible to remain angry at them. Maybe right now God's bringing someone to your mind and you know it's like, I needed to hear this this morning, I needed to remember. That's what Paul's saying. But he also reminds us that the Philippian church was unique in that, he says, that he remembered them making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel, verse 5, from the first day until now. They had a fellowship in this gospel now, we've talked about the word fellowship here often. We'll restate it again. It was a Koine Greek term that actually was developed uh, to define what Christians have fellowship. Because you, you cannot have fellowship in its original sense of the word. Uh, in Christ, any other way. Now that term has become, you know, used in a, a whole bunch of varieties. But go back to its origin. It was it was created to define something that Christians experience, a likeness of mind, a likeness of spirit. When we get together, we have fellowship. And what Paul enjoyed about the Philippian Christians is that they had fellowship in the gospel. They got involved in the furthering of the gospel, evidenced, of course, by the gift that they sent, but evidenced also because of their lives. And so why am I sharing all this with you? I ask you this morning another question. Do you have, are you participating in the fellowship of the gospel? There's such a joy in that when you and I choose to partner with the work of the gospel moving forward. They contributed monetarily. They contributed prayerfully. They contributed in just the people that they are. Um, my heart was struck back in 1990 when Sherry and I, on our first uh, uh, anniversary, had an opportunity to take our first missions trip. We went with a, a, a group called Vets with a Mission, and it meant military personnel who were veterans that go with a mission. And specifically, Vets with a Mission to Vietnam had in its core belief system is that they wanted to go and create a reconciliation between all of the uh, hardships and atrocities that had happened to the Vietnamese people and country to Americans and um, the American country. And so they went specifically to try and, and heal that bond, heal that that bruise. And Sherry and I got a chance to go, and we were going with this team of people, and we we had a tremendous time. We did some labor out in a... A swamp area building, a, some foundations for a clinic, probably one of the most exciting. We, we were there introduced to something called the Tin Lan Church. You ever heard of that? The Tin Lan Church in Vietnam was the accepted or the recognized church. And so the Tin Lan Church had permission by the government to preach certain things, but it could not teach and preach all things. The government controlling the church of what the church teaches and does not teach. Won't say any more. We had the opportunity to meet the underground church in Vietnam. The underground church were saints that were recognized that there should be no hold biblically on, on what the Word of God has placed in our lives. And one night, you know, we would brought Bibles over and stuff. And one night we were to, uh, it was the night we were going to go meet the underground church. And so our uh, leader came to each of us in our hotel room and said, they know something's up. Communists were still watching us. They know something's up, so you have to be careful. But we, we're going to have to stop all activity after this. Now, tonight, go down to the corner and... Uh, stand there with your, your satchel and someone will pull up and tell you to get on a motorbike. And so you walk down and you stand on the street corner. Have you ever seen an Asian? We're in Saigon. Have you ever seen an Asian traffic jam? Oh my goodness, it, it's like this. It, it's, all, it's ants. And they just kind of go in and out. And so we're standing. It's nighttime. We're on the street corner of our statue and we're looking. And this uh, little motorbike pulls up, like this. And he looks at us and he goes. <laughs> we're like, oh, you, yeah. yeah. And we get on the back of these bikes. And we're holding our statue. And we go, oh, yeah, in and through traffic, you know. And it's like, it's like something straight out of I won't even say a movie, but, you know, it's out of a movie. And we got to this home. We were, the, we were the honored guest. We, us, American Western Christians that had come with this team. And we go up into this home, and there's like 12, 15, 18 Vietnamese Christians on their faces praying for our safety to get there. Saints, get involved in the fellowship of the gospel. Find a genuine, trustworthy environment in which you can participate. Most and many of us do here in some of our choices for missionary giving here. We, of course, support... uh, The Ada Children's Home in the Philippines, the National School Project, uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, um, Assist International, many more. And in that way, you are partnering, you are fellowshipping with the gospel, but but hands-on is just such a delight. Many of you know that. We're going to have to close this morning with this last verse, verse 6 and 7. Read it with me. He says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of, and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Verse 6, Paul is confident that what God began in the life of the Philippian Christian, God will complete. And his confidence is not rooted in the gift that they give, His confidence in that is not even rooted in in how tender his heart is toward them and toward who they are. His confidence, listen, is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ who began that good work in them when he came and shared the gospel and they received it. Let me illustrate lastly with you this morning something. If you've ever wondered, God, where are you? How how am I going to get that change going on in my life that I I so desire? Think of a parent that has a, a young infant or even toddler. And they've brought that child into the world. They've loved that infant, that toddler, right into its first breath, its first baby bath, its first feeding, and as that child begins to gain a little bit of uh, ability to to take nutrition and and. Uh, process, digest that nutrition and begins to grow a little and, and the diapers get a little bigger and the, the crib gets spread out a little more and, and even maybe there's a, a step or two. Can you imagine any parent that would say to that child, good, glad that's done. Let me let you know that the bottles are in the fridge, the diapers are in the drawer and you're on your own. Poor illustration, but it's the only one I have this morning. (laughs) Thank you. But it does illustrate it, right? You get the picture. What parent would do that? No loving parent would do that. And your father will not either. He started a work in you. He began a work in you and he says it is a good work and he will be faithful to complete it. Even if it takes until the day Jesus Christ calls you home and you leave this planet or the day that Jesus Christ comes back And takes us all home in a glorious rapture. So walk today and this week. Shed the doubt. (coughs) Set aside the, the lack of confidence in your God. Know that he is right now engaged in the process of completing the work He's begun in you. You only have one thing to do about it, You and I both. Stop resisting. The pain is in the resistance. Let go and let him have his way. Do you lack peace? What are you doing to resist? God bringing peace into your life. Do you lack assurance? What is it that hinders your wisdom, direction? Just let go and let God give it. Not tedious to go over these things. Just safe. Will you pray with me? Lord, it is at moments like this that we can see ourselves in those precious. Christians in Philippi, and we can hear the tender heart of the Apostle Paul, the one who was responsible for uh, birthing the church that became very fruitful and very near and dear to his heart. Lord, we thank you for this letter, but even more, we thank you for who you are that you too have called our name. You also have begun a work in us. And because of what we read and know about who you are, we receive this morning that you will be faithful to complete that which you began. As we're praying, if there's anyone here this morning that was just wondering, may God encourage you today that He's not forgotten you and He's not left you. He loves you and He just wants to remind you and me of that fact today. Lord, we receive it and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.